Welcome to Center Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff at Center Church Brenham. And if you're, a, if you're a guest, I just want to say welcome and we're glad to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bible, and I hope and pray that you do, I would like to invite you to meet me in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, specifically in verse 11, as we continue our study through the book of Hebrews as a church body. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Now, as we make our way, you make your way there, I, I want to tell you something. This text is actually a bit difficult. And in a good way, it's difficult. It really confronts and convicts us. So I, I want to remind you that the, that the author of Hebrews, he is writing to the church. He is writing to a group of Christians and a, and a group of Christians that have been, been going for a while and a, a group of a church that is, is really flourishing and doing well. But all of a sudden, at some point in this history, this church's history, they have been met with persecution for their faith. And they were hit hard with persecution in such a way that they're beginning to question whether or not following Jesus is really worth it. And so we, not, we should not forget that when he is writing to this group of people, he is writing to a group of mature believers. But what he has to say to us this morning is not an easy pill to swallow. And so God might confront some of us this morning because we might fall into this category of what they call dull hearing. As I was reading and studying this week the scripture, I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. So as I'm reading this text, and if I think I'm reading it rightly, are you saying that we as Christians, that, that we actually can become dull of hearing? And according to the author of Hebrews, yes. The answer to that question is yes. You and I, we can become dull of hearing when it, and, and when it comes to the word of God. And I thought to myself, that's scary. As a Christian, I was like, that's good. and I began to, as I began to stay, I began to look at myself, I'm like, Lord, is that me? Like, is there any truth of dull hearing with me? If, if there is any dull hearing with me, Lord, get rid of it right now. Open my hearing to where I, I not only hear from you, but I respond to you well. And so I, I kind of want to give you an illustration or a story to help you understand where we're going this morning and how people can become Christians specifically can become dull of hearing the word of God. So when Katie and I, my wife and I, first got married, we went and I joined the Marine Corps. Uh, I was a Marine officer for a few years. Uh, I loved every minute of it. But our first station was at Marine Corps Air Station, New River. All right. Marine Corps Air Station, New River, out there in Camp Lejeune uh, area, North Carolina. And so back then, they have new officer housing now, but back then the officer housing was at the back of the base. And so Katie and I, when we were, we were first married, we were coming into the Marine Corps. I was like, hey, we should go live in officer housing. It's a great idea. And she's like, how much is it going to cost? I said, free. She's like, let's go. So we get into our U-Haul. We didn't have any kids at the time. We had two big dogs. We called them fur babies, two big boxer puppies. And uh, we take them to this house at the back of the air station on New River. Oh, well, as we're unloading, all of a sudden... All of a sudden, we start to hear these very loud noises as this CH-53 helicopter comes flying over our house. Wind is kicking up everywhere. The, the, the windows are shaking. I look at my wife. Her eyes are this big. Because we just, it just dawned on us that officer housing was right next to the air station, to the landing pad, actually, where these V-22s, CH-53s, and Cobras were training and flying around. 
Now, if you don't know what a CHVD3 is, that's okay. Let me give you kind of like a little illustration or a little kind of tip, a, a simile, if you will, of what a CHVD3 is. A CHVD3 helicopter, it's, it's a troop-carrying, cargo-carrying helicopter. It's, it's massive. It's like a semi-truck with rotors and leaks oil everywhere. All right, that's what this thing kind of looks like. And so this, this CH-53 is just hovering over our backyard. Now, at first, it was kind of exciting. I mean, honestly, how many of you have ever seen a CH-53 hovering over your backyard? Yeah? It was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, that's pretty neat. But over time, that excitement started to get annoying. For example, you know, they train all night and day like we do. And so they would go out at night and they would start flying CH-53s around our house. Now, it's fine when you don't have kids, but when you have two puppy dogs in the house and you're getting that, you know, that moment, parents, right? If you're a parent in here, like you're in your bed, you feel your body literally shutting down in that moment. And then like something happens to wake a baby up and you're like, no, why? Well, that would happen as a 53 would come flying over. The dogs would start barking. They would start running around everywhere. We're like, oh, my goodness, here they come again. And so it just started to get really annoying. But over time. We lived there for a year and a half. Over time, guess what happened? We got numb. We got used to the noise. In fact, all of us in the house got used to the noise. When a 53 would fly over, it wouldn't even dawn on us that a 53 was flying over. It's not that we didn't hear it. It's just we got so used to it, it didn't impact our lives any other way. It was funny because we didn't realize this would happen, but as people would come visit us, and they'd be in our house, and all of a sudden our house would start shaking, and the, the pictures on the wall would start, they'd be like, what's going on? What's going on? Like, oh, don't worry, that's a, that's a helicopter flying over. You're fine. I don't even hear it anymore. The reality is that Katie and I, we had become numb to hearing the noise. And so therefore, it never impacted our lives. And the reality is for the Christian that your life and my life can be very similar to that life experience. That you and I as Christians, we can actually become numb to the word of God. That it's almost like where we hear it over and over again, but it starts to just kind of lose its effectiveness because our hearts begin to get hardened to the word. And that we start to lose that effect. We become really, really numb and dull of hearing to the word. And we no longer respond to it the way that we once did. Here's the truth that I want you to take away with you this morning. The Christian life is not a stagnant life. The Christian life, you're either moving towards Jesus or you're moving away from Jesus. There's no treading water if you will. And sometimes I think you and I as Christians, we can get lost in the noise of our lives that it begins to actually tone out what God is really saying to us through his word. Let me show you what this looks like in this text of scripture to say, to ask ourselves the question this morning, are, are we in danger? Are we as a church, are you as a Christian, are you in danger of being in the category of dull hearing? Look with me at verses 11 through 14 of chapter 5. As we get ready to dive into this word this morning. The author says about this, we have much to say and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I like the way the author of the Hebrews, uh, he opens this up to us. He gives us two warnings about dull hearing. And so we're going to look in our lives. Today is going to be a little different of a sermon because I'm going to ask you to look into your hearts and examine, have you become dull of hearing? 
But then he provides us with the wonderful solution founded in the gospel of solid food for the mature believer. So the first warning that he gives us is this. Dull hearing, dull hearing, dullness of hearing is a heart condition. That's the first thing you need to know from chapter, verse 11. Dull hearing is a heart condition. It's not that you can't hear. It's not that you are deaf. It's that your heart has become deafened by your hearing. In other words, the words are still going through. Right now in my sermon, you are hearing my words being preached from God's word. But if you have a dull hearing, your heart is hardened to them. This word dullness here, it actually can mean sluggish. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, about this we have much to say. And he's talking about verses 9 through 10. Uh, of the of that same chapter and being made perfect Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek verse 11 about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain now if i took a poll in this room how many of you know who Melchizedek is oh i didn't mean to raise your hands but thank you for all of you who did amen good little group all right i like to call Melchizedek Melchizedek all right Melchizedek was a guy in the old testament and, and Melchizedek was a, a priest in that time. And, and so we're actually, he, he wants to talk to them and show them how, G, how Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek was designed to point you to Jesus as you and I high priest. As the one who made the sacrifice for our sins and changes our lives. And the one who goes to God on our behalf every single day. Jesus is our high priest. And so Melchizedek was designed to actually point you and I from the Old Testament to the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, died the sacrificial death we deserve to die and gloriously rose again. It was pointing to Christ. And he says, I want to tell you about Melchizedek. But the problem is I can't tell you about Melchizedek. I have much to say about this. It's hard to explain why. Since you have become dull of hearing. Now, notice the way that the author says this. He says, since you have become dull of hearing. It's not that they are dull, like immature. I don't think he's saying you are immature, you need to grow. He's actually saying, actually, you're mature and you're going back to being babies. You're going in the wrong direction. Instead of moving towards God, you're moving away from God. And it's your dullness of hearing that is causing you to go back towards immaturity, to go back to being a baby Christian. He's saying, don't go that way. Don't move that way. So this idea of dullness, what, how do I get to it's a heart condition? Well, if you have your Bible, just flip really quickly over to chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Because in verses 11 and 12, we get a, a glimpse into the heart condition of dull hearing. Verse 11, he says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So the opposite of dullness is earnestness. This idea of diligence and pursuing and persistence to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, so that you may not be sluggish. That word sluggish there is the same word for dull in our text this morning. He says, but imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, so what the author is showing us is that dullness of hearing is not about what goes in my ears. Dullness of hearing is about my heart. It's about my heart condition. It's about whether or not my heart is open to receive the word of God or whether or not my heart has been hardened to where the word of God is like it's like semen. It can't penetrate through it because my heart has become hardened as a Christian. Let me give it to you this way as an illustration to help you think about it. All right. Um, if you're a parent 
in this room, have you ever given a, an, a, a, a message or an order, a command to your children, and you know they heard you, but they just ignored you? If you don't have any children, okay, have you as a wife ever given your spouse just a small to-do list or something, uh, saying, hey, I need you to, to do this, and all of a sudden it's like, you know they heard you, but... Nothing happens. Or if you're a husband in this room, right? And you turn to your wife and say, hey, I need you to take care of this. And they hear what you say, but nothing happens. All right. Many of you, we chalk that up to this, this terminology. We call it selective hearing. Right. And that's truly what this is all about. That, that these Christians have now selective hearing. That it's like, they, that's like God comes to them and says, hey, little Johnny, go to bed. Little Johnny heard you say go to bed, but what little Johnny's heart said was, I'm not going to bed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore you, and I'm not, I heard you, but I'm going to ignore you, and it's not going to cause me to respond to go to bed. And unfortunately, this is where Christians can find themselves. We can become so hardened hearted. We can become become so dull of hearing that it's a heart condition that when God speaks to us, Through his word. That when God shares something with us. Whether we need to repent or believe or hold on to or persevere through. That our hearts are are dull and they're not hearing. It's like, okay, I hear what you say, but I'm not going to do it. That's dullness of hearing. And that's what he is warning all of us this morning against. Perhaps an example for you to do a little self-examination this morning. On September 4th of this year, I preached a sermon on discipleship making. I saw some eyes get there. I know where this is going. A little conviction time. I preached a sermon on discipleship about a month ago. I talked about this discipleship and I said, hey, here's the reality. As a Christian, you should be growing. And as you're growing, you should be praying for God to bring disciples into your life. And you should be asking God who you should get to disciple you, to teach you the truths of Scripture. And then I said you should be teaching, you should be inviting people into your life, and you should be sending your disciples out to make more disciples. So let me ask, don't raise your hands this time, because I didn't realize we were that responsive kind of church. I love it, but I didn't know it. But how many of you have done it? How many of you took that sermon and said, wow, God really convicted me on my own discipleship making. I'm going to start growing. I'm going to start praying for disciples that I'm going to disciple and people who I want to disciple me. I'm going to start teaching them the truths of Scripture and I'm going to start inviting them into my life. How many of you did it? See, the reality is if you didn't do it, then you might actually fall into the category of dull hearing. I had so many people come up and say, Oh, Pastor Jeremy, your sermon was so great that Sunday. I love the cup illustration, your magic trick that you did. It was so amazing. But yet... A month later, how many of you actually took that word of God and applied it to your lives? See, in that situation, you're just like little Johnny. You heard the command, go to bed, but you didn't go to bed. It didn't impact your life. And the author of Hebrews, he doesn't pull any punches. I know, listen, like the author of Hebrews today, he probably wouldn't do very well in the church environment, right? Because we have a problem with convicting each other, holding each other accountable. It's just easier to go to another church when people want to hold you to the word of God. That's not the Christian life and that's not growth. Because I believe that as pastors, as leaders, as mothers, as fathers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our job to help each other become the Christians that God has created us to be. And so we confront each other like this, not because we don't like each other, because we want to be mean hearted. We confront each other because we love you enough to want you to become like Jesus. 
The one who saved you from your sin and gave you a new life in him. And I love that the author of Hebrews says, you know what? We want to tell you all this great stuff. The problem is you're just, you're dull. You become sluggish in your hearing. And it's not because you can't hear, it's because you have a heart condition that God needs to correct. And so this week, I've been praying that God would correct every single heart condition in this room if you find yourself to be one of dull hearing this morning. So first off, we see that dull hearing is a matter of the heart. Secondly, we see that dull hearing leads to immaturity. It leads to the immature Christian life. Look at verses 12 through 13 with me. The author says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Now, now I want to be, I want to be very frank with this text. I think that they are mature that have gone back towards immaturity. Because if you ever, if you continue to read through, and we're going to continue to preach through the book of Hebrews, he actually doesn't explain the basic principles of the oracle of God. In fact, in chapter 7, he goes to Melchizedek. So he continues to teach them good, solid food. And, and he's saying, the reason that I'm doing this is not because you're immature needing to mature. It's because you've matured and you're going back towards immaturity because of your dull hearing. Look how he continues this in verse, at the end of verse 12. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Now, let me be clear here for a moment. There is nothing wrong with milk or solid food. Like, if you're a new Christian here, we want you to be on the milk. Like, the milk is good for babies, right? Like, I don't see anybody in this church, and we have a lot of babies in this church, okay? If you don't believe me, I'll take you into our children's wing right now, and you can see the look on our, on our volunteers' faces. Yes, that is a plug for you. If you're a partner, we want you to volunteer with center, center students and children. I mean, you're welcome. You can talk to Laura about how you can be a part of that wonderful ministry. By calling now at... I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with milk. I don't see any of you parents that have a baby in here. I don't see you bringing in like a five-course dinner. Like, okay, you know, my baby first, my baby needs this chicken fried steak. And then they need these potatoes and these eggs because that's what makes a good health. No, you don't, bring, you don't bring babies solid food. What do you give them? Milk. Because they have to grow. And then you move up to puree and... Or whatever the new thing is now, I don't even know. I don't have any more ba- we don't have any more babies, babies, right? And then we start moving them into solid food. So milk is not a problem. If you're a new believer, we want you to live on that milk. But we also want to develop you as a center church. We want to develop you to go from milk to solid food. So you can start feeding yourself. And there's nothing wrong with solid food. Right? We all love some solid food, don't we? Right? We like to eat. We're, we're let's be honest, like we're a culture that eats. And we eat good, don't we? Love to eat. So there's nothing wrong with the milk. There's nothing wrong with the solid food. The problem is the person. The heart of the person is the problem. The heart of the person has gone from solid food back to milk. He says, he says you, every one of you who lives on milk, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. You're like a baby Christian in the word. And you're unskilled at handling this because you're just not growing. In fact, for this group, you're going backwards and you are a child. So it looks like this. Let me give you another illustration to kind of help you understand this point that dull hearing leads to immaturity. Let's pretend. Keyword here, pretend, brothers and sisters. Okay? Everybody shake your head that you heard what I just said. This is a pretend scenario. So let's pretend that my mom, who's in the room right now, she comes and she says, Hey, Jeremy, what I want to do is I want to buy you a, a band stroller. 
All right, I want to buy you a big man stroller. I'm going to put you in it. I'm going to put you in a onesie. I'm going to put a little bib on you. I'm going to give you a baba. I'm going to hook a passy to you. And I want to go push you around downtown Brenham. And I'm like, Mom, I'm about to be 40. That sounds like a great idea. I would, I would love for you to push me around like a man baby. Show me off to all your friends. Like, isn't my son so cute? Look at that beautiful gray beard he has. No, that's his baba. Leave him alone. What would you do if you saw my mom pushing me around a man stroller in downtown Brenham? Like you're out shopping. Maybe you're going to anatomy or you're going to must be heaven or you're going to the new Muscalitos coffee shop. And don't tell. I see a lot of you in there. I'm in there too. All right. And all of a sudden you're with your friends and you look up and you're like, oh, there goes Pastor Jeremy being pushed by his mommy in a onesie with a baba. And you go, I'm so proud. That's my pastor. Man, that's when he preaches on Sundays. He's 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 good. He's real. Look at him, though. He's getting pushed by his mommy. He's so precious. They would literally think you were a crazy person. They would probably think we were a cult. Right. Like, oh, my goodness. What kind of church are you going to? Right. Why? Why would you be so stunned? Why would you not be proud? And why would you honestly and rightly be embarrassed? Because 40 year old men aren't supposed to be. I mean, we know this, right? 40-year-old men are not supposed to be pushed around in baby strollers, baby strollers with babas. They're supposed to be men. Mature, grown up, feeding themselves, walking on their own two legs. And what the author of Hebrews is explaining through this illustration, he says, that's who you should be. You were this. You were growing and excited in your faith and you were growing in God's word and, and you were mature and you were feeding yourself solid food. Then all of a sudden persecution came in. The noise got loud and you went back to strollers and babas. He said, that's not OK. You who should be teaching you, you who should be teaching you who have, should be skilled in the word of righteousness. You're acting like children. And in my wonderful counseling vernacular, he says, stop it. Yeah, that's why I'm not the best counselor. I just tell people, stop, stop. He's telling them, exact, stop it. You are mature Christians. Quit going back to being baby Christians because of your dull hearing. You don't need milk. You need the solid food. But the problem is you stop eating solid food because your heart is one of dull hearing. So I thought about this this week and I said, OK, how how can you tell this morning if you fit into the category of dull hearing? So I have three questions for you. Number one, when you come to God's word, do you expect to hear from God? When you come to God's word, do you expect to hear from God? When you when you dive into scripture in your quiet times, when you read the Bible during your quiet times. Now, let me just say this real quick. If you're not reading the Bible, then you're just deaf, not dull. Because you're not even hearing anything at that point. And so the reality is, is that if you're reading the scriptures and you are you reading them like God's love letter to you? Are you reading them expecting every time you open the Bible that God is going to speak into your life? That God is either going to reveal himself to you, that he's going to show you the gospel of grace, that he's going to point out a sin in your life, that he's going to give you a way to live in the com complex and difficult situations of your day. Are you coming to the text expecting to hear from God? And with that, are you coming to our church? Are you coming here to hear sermons and expecting to hear from the Lord? Or are you coming just being like, oh, I'm just going to read my Bible so I can get that check mark, get that gold star from Jesus. 
I'm going to come to church because that's what I'm supposed to do. Are you coming truly with the expectation to hear? See, the reality is if you're not coming with the expectation to hear, then you probably are starting to fall into the category of dull hearing. Secondly, the second question I have is, when you do hear, when you do hear, do you respond with joy? So like when you hear from God's word, when a sermon touches your heart, and when the Holy Spirit opens a, a passage of scripture to you and, 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 and you, he reveals something to your life, do you respond with joyful obedience? Do you go, okay, God, I see it. I'm ready to do it. Lord, anything that you say you want me to do, I'm going to do. Anywhere you want me to go, I'm willing to go. If you say it, I'm going to respond with joy and do it. So number one, are you expecting to hear from God? And number two, when you do hear from God, do you receive it with joy and obey it? I find so many people in our churches, they struggle with that particular principle. And it's because they become dull of hearing. They're like little Johnny once again. Go to bed. Mm -mm, My heart says no. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. At Center Church, we like to say it's okay to come in here, not okay, but we love you too much to stay that way. That we want to pour and disciple into you in such a way that God would change and transform and move you to be the person that he has designed and purposed you to be. To give you a a, a value, to give you a, a true worthiness of living life to the fullest for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. So that means that when we come to you, we expect you to hear from God. But when you do hear from God, we expect you to joyfully receive it and do whatever he tells you to do. Lastly, do you come to church or do you read the scripture as a critic or as a know-it-all? So do you expect to hear from God? When you hear from God, do you joyfully receive it? And number, or number three, the question is, to know if you're, you're dull in hearing, is do you come as a critic or a know-it-all? Listen, the most dull people of hearing are those who think they know everything about the Bible. I'll be very candid with you this morning, all right? I have done over a decade of intense study in this book, in the very Word of God, and I will tell you that I don't even believe I've scratched the surface to know this great God. Because He is so infinitely magnificent. Every time I read through the Bible, He shows me something new each time. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've read that a hundred times, but today I'm finally seeing it. Today I'm finally hearing it. Like, like we, we've gotten to this point where we think God is, is really all that He is is confined to these little pages. But actually, these pages are His revelation to us just to give us a, a, a glimpse into who He is because God is infinite. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-being, eternal, Big, huge, and we are tiny, tiny microscopic specks compared to God. And this is how we get to know Him right now, is through the power of His Spirit and His Word, by faith in Jesus. And yet so many of us come like, well, I got it all figured out. I can't learn anything anymore. And if that's you this morning, then you've become dull of hearing. Because you're a critic and you think you know it all. One of my mentors, who I love very, very deeply, Dr. Danny Aiken, he's the president of Southeastern Seminary. He got his Ph.D. in the Bible. And uh, he was asked one time by one of our students, he said, he, he, he said, how do you sit as this scholar, as this, I mean, Dr. Aiken's a, he's a somebody. He said, how do you sit under preaching? And he said, I never come to sit under preaching as a scholar. I always come to sit under somebody else as a student. He says, I don't believe that I've arrived. 
And I can learn something from the brand newest of preachers to the oldest of preachers. That I come every time expecting to hear something new about God that I've never thought about, that I've never heard before, because I want to receive His Word with joy in my heart. I want to apply it to my life. And I am there to learn and to study the Scriptures with whoever's preaching it from that pulpit. You see, that is a heart that is no longer, that is not dull to hearing. That is a heart that is open to the Word of God. So if Dr. Danny Aiken, who is the man, by the way, is sitting in that in services with that kind of heart, that should be a, re- a reflection of how we should be coming and sitting, a model for us of how we should be coming and sitting and hearing the Word of God each time. So if you come as a critic, if you come as a know-it-all, if you come no, no longer expecting, and you come not receiving with joy, then you might be in the category that the author of Hebrews is warning about, that, that person who is dull of hearing, and you might be moving towards immaturity, not maturity. But the good news, the good news is that Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much that he doesn't want your heart to be deaf. That he, by his power of his spirit right now this morning, is opening your heart to being like, yes, you might become dull of hearing, but guess what? There is good news in Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to soften your heart so it will be a fertile bed of receptivity to his word. Because God doesn't want you to go backwards. He wants you to go forwards. He wants you to live the life that he's called you to live. Because he knows, he knows, brothers and sisters, that if we live the way he's called us to live, we will do well and flourish in this life. That doesn't mean you're not going to suffer and have persecution. But what I mean by that is when you live according to God's design, typically things are not that bad for you. And you're able to deal with the problems and the pains that come with life. And that's what God wants from you. He wants to conform you into the image of his son so that your life may not get any easier, but you definitely will go through life with what, with what the author of Hebrews says in 6.11. You'll go through the hype with earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end. Isn't that how you want to live? Don't you want to live with the full assurance of hope all the way to the end? Jesus wants to give you that this morning by removing the earplugs from your heart so that you will begin to hear and that dullness of hearing will begin to be eradicated by Jesus. But secondly, brothers and sisters, listen, if there's somebody in this room who doesn't know Jesus, I want you to know today that Jesus, by the power of His Spirit, wants to open you to this faith. He wants to ignite your faith this morning and, say, and rec- help you recognize that, yes, you are a sinner, but a sinner that, has been, that can be saved by the work of Jesus. Jesus took your place so that he can, he can erase all, he can forgive you of all your sins, erase all your sins, and give you a new life in him. Let me tell you something. If you're here today and you're not a believer, I am a living testimony of that. And any believer in this room can give you their testimony about what their life was like prior to sin, but what Jesus came to do about it. That he convicted, showed us our need for the Savior, we put our faith and trust in his work, and he transformed us to be what we are today. And so I believe no matter where you are on the Christian spectrum or non-Christian spectrum this morning, I believe that God is opening every single heart this morning to draw you nearer to himself. So don't push it away. Don't be dull of hearing. Receive it with joy. Lastly, we see that the mature Christian trains and grows in godliness. Look what he says. This is the, the change. The two warnings about dull hearing are changed and given power in that solid food of verse 14. He says, this is what you should be looking like. And brothers and sisters, as I studied the text, this is what I pray sinner church is going to look like by God's grace in the future. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. 
For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. He says, for those mature believers who are consuming the solid food, you're a mature Christian and you are having your power of discernment trained. In other words, think of it in terms of Romans chapter 12. What God is doing as you receive God's word is he is transforming your mind. He's taking what he said. He's sticking it into your brain so that out of you comes godliness, holiness, living the calling that Christ has called you to through his work. He said it's for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, that God wants to take his word, stick it in your mind, stick it in your heart so that you will live out the life he has called you and saved you to live out. Isn't that amazing? Could you, I mean, like, listen, I think this about I think this all the time as a Christian. I'm like. I'm so grateful that God saved me, but also he gave me his Holy Spirit to actually do what he saved me to do. Could you imagine what it would be if like, God saves you and you're like, okay, now go figure it out by yourself? That would be awful, would it not? You could shake your head yes, because I think I, it would be awful. But by God's grace, he says, no, I've empowered you with my spirit. I've given you my word, so now you can be trained to live the life that I've called you to live. As my, one of my mentors likes to say, we were made for the garden, not the grave. And so you begin to live out that eternal life now that you have in Jesus. And you do that by eating solid food, by becoming a mature Christian. Now, here's what you need to know, Christian. You can't grow if you have unrepentant sin that you're not willing to deal with. Now, I'm not saying sin you're struggling with. I said unrepentant sin that you're dealing with. By unrepentant, is like you know you're doing something right now that you know is wrong, that you know is sinful, but you're like, mm, I'm just not willing to give it up. I'm not willing to ask forgiveness. I'm not willing to turn from it. I'm just going to continue to embrace it. That's what I mean by unrepentant sin. And so God is not going to give you more until he first, you first submit yourself to his word and repent of that sin and begin to live out and train your life towards godliness. And I think many people in our churches are not mature because they're housing unrepentant sin in their hearts. And in their lives. Because they're not even dealing with the stuff that God's already telling them to deal with. In fact, I can't move you on until you first deal with this. So mature Christians are Christians who deal with their own holiness and godliness. Who train and constantly practice distinguishing good from evil. And when that happens, God will continue to open more of himself to you. Continue to open more of his word to you. Continue to open more of his understanding of grace and gospel and his love to you that you will begin to mature and grow and flourish. And, and I'll tell you, as a Christian, like I got, I got rid of all the outside physical sins, but man, every single day it's like God puts another like, hey, Jeremy, here's some pride starting to flare up. Hey, Jeremy, here's some kind of like self-righteous anger starting to get in the way of my relationship. Hey, Jeremy, you need to control your tongue in this situation. Hey, Jeremy, you need to relax a little bit here. Hey, Jeremy, you need to find some rest. Quit working so hard. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Sometimes I ask God, this is just for you guys in my prayer journal. Sometimes I'm like, hey, God, can you work on somebody else for a while? I just need a break. But God is gracious and he says, I love you too much to let you stay where you are. I want you to become more like my son, Jesus. But that only happens when we pursue a life of holiness and godliness and we feed on the solid food, which is for the mature. And we begin to discern and be trained and practice distinguishing good from evil from doing right and wrong as God has told us what is right and wrong. So here's my vision for Center Church Brenham out of verse 14. I pray every single one of you will become Mary Kings. And many of you are like, who is Mary King? 
Well, let me tell you who Mary King was. You don't know the name Mary King, but you know one of Mary King's students. And his name is the Prince of All Preachers, Charles H. Spurgeon. Man, I love Charles. Charles Spurgeon was the preaching man. Right? First person when I get to heaven, I'm meeting Jesus. Second person, David, because I'm a worship warrior like David. Third person, Charles Spurgeon. Sit down and be like, bro, tell me how you preached the way you did. Amazing. Mary King was one of the most influential people in Charles Spurgeon's young life. Charles Spurgeon went to seminary and he met a cook named Mary King. A cook, one of the cooks at his school named Mary King. And Mary King, he writes in his autobiography, was a godly woman. But not only was she a godly woman, but she could handle the truths of Scripture like you wouldn't believe. In fact, in his own autobiography, in his own words, he said this about Mary King. He said, I learned more from Mary King than I did six PhDs in divinity. Because not only did she teach it, she lived it. And God unlocked the beauty and depth of who he is in the scriptures through her and her commitment to him as she fed on the solid food and she matured and she lived a holy and godly life and then she began to pass that on to Charles Spurgeon. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. You don't have to be a PhD. You don't have to be a PhD to be a solid, mature follower of Jesus. You just have to be someone who eats the solid food and who pushes away dull hearing. By the power of the Spirit. How many of you are going to be like Mary King? I pray everybody in here is like a Mary King. That as you study and feed the Word of God into your life, that it just just changes you to to live a life of godliness in such a way that you pour that out to others who are around you. Listen, this is where it's really important, brothers and sisters, to pour into one another. To pour into one another. I'll tell you one thing. I would not be standing on this pulpit right now if it wasn't for Lenny Moore pouring into me. And I believe as a church, if you're a mature Christian, how much more should we be pouring into that generation that's in those rooms over there? I always think to myself, is one of them going to be the next Charles Spurgeon? Or the next Billy Graham? Or the next John Piper? Oh my goodness. Who, who's going to be the next better Jeremy Bell that's going to be coming and standing in this pulpit when I die and go be with Jesus or whether he comes back? You see, brothers and sisters, those of us who are maturing share what we are being fed with others so that we see them grow as well. It's called discipleship. And my prayer is that every single one of you would become a Mary King one day. But it happens only when we get our hearts right with God as Christians. We come expecting to hear from him and we receive whatever he says with joy. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we conclude today. Listen, I know, I know that this sermon can be almost a bit much for some of us in this room. Maybe God is wrestling with your heart right now. I want you to know you're not alone. As I studied and prepared this sermon, it, it wrestled with my heart too. I began to ask those same questions. But I want you to know that we're a church that loves you and we don't want you to stay where you are. We want you to become more like Jesus. So if today in this sermon, if you're like, Jeremy, I, I, I recognize that I am dull of hearing. I recognize that I'm becoming dull of hearing. All, all I want you to do is uh, I want everybody to keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And I just want you to raise your hand and say, Jeremy, that's me this morning. 
I recognize that in my heart, that my heart is becoming dull of hearing, that, that, that I'm ready to, I need you to pray over me to begin to receive the word once again with joy and expectation. If that's you, just simply slip, slip your hand in the air. That's your conviction this morning. All right. Go ahead, put your hands down. I want to pray over all of you who raised your hand this morning. Go ahead, put your hands down. And I want you to know after this service, I'll be around to pray with you too if you want me to pray for you directly. Father, I pray for all those hands that were just lifted. Father, I want them to know your grace and goodness. That you love us too much to make us dull of hearing. That you want to, you want to activate and enliven the ears of our hearts to expect to hear from you every time we gather around your word. And to receive whatever you have said with joy and with gladness. Lord, that we would live with hearts to say, wherever you call me to go, I will go. Whatever you tell me to do, no matter how hard it might, we might think it is, but by the power of your Spirit, I will do. Father, I pray for those hearts in this room that need to be activated and enlivened to the truths of your Word. Protect us for those that didn't raise their hands. Protect us from becoming dull of hearing. To being like Katie and I, when we were at the air station where we would hear the helicopters, but we, it wouldn't change our lives. Father, we pray. We pray that when we pray here and that when we hear in your word, speak, Lord, that our first response is always because your servant is listening and ready to serve. Father, I pray and thankful that you draw us closer to yourself through these types of messages. You confront and convict so that you can conform us into, into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you've done in Jesus. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if this morning your heart has been activated in faith by God, you say, Jeremy, I... I need this Jesus that you speak of to change my life. As we get ready to do our time of communion, I'm going to go stand in the back and you just say, Jeremy, you just come back there to me and I'll talk with you and I'll help you walk through your next steps of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to put your faith in the work of Him so that you can begin to live and pursue God's design for your life through the Word. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to sing, and as we sing, we're going to make our way up to the front, and we're going to take time to practice communion this morning. The way that you do this, you can either come up, you can take the, the cup, which is grape juice, or you can take the bread and dip it in the cup, which is also grape juice. And I want you to be reminded, I want you to be reminded that this is the body and the blood of Jesus that was poured out for you, that was broken for you and your sin. And that the resurrection proves that not only did Jesus defeat sin and death, but he also gives us new life in him. He resurrects our hearts and our souls, if you will. So that we can come expecting to hear from our Father who is in heaven. And live the rest of our days for his glory. And the advancement of his kingdom. I want to read 1 Corinthians 11 to you. And after I read, you take time. And whenever you're ready, you come. And you take and participate in the Lord's communion today as a follower of Jesus. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
But the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you're ready, come and proclaim the Lord's death with us in communion.